Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. clear in your brief what you're looking for who the type of person that you're looking for is um what your values are for your business what your brand represents a little bit of information about who you are all of those things are really key and have an idea of a budget in mind but don't necessarily dictate at this first stage you know this is going to pay x because what you're doing as a business is engaging in other businesses services and I think often people go into looking for a VA as I'm looking for an assistant and they're going to be an employee and they're not an employee they're going to have other clients they are going to work with you to help you achieve your goals but they're doing so in addition to lots of other things and so you need to be really clear on your expectations but also clear on what you're hoping to get out of the relationship and also have the manners and the respect that that other business owner deserves. Welcome back. I hope your week's been awesome so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with author and leadership consultant Bruce Craven and with writing and editing coach Daphne Gray-Grant, why not? Seriously, though, go check them out after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Sidel Stewart, a business operations architect, a virtual assistant mentor, founder of the VA agency Onnit Communications, and a self-titled Possibility Ambassador. She makes it possible for online coaches, consultants, and experts to get what she calls slick, sexy, and systemized, so that they can delight clients, increase their impact, and make more money focusing on the work that lights them up. Process-driven and passionate about excellence, Sidel simplifies and transforms the back office and online customer journey for her clients, elevating their business from successful to exceptional. Clients describe her work as efficient, essential, transformational, innovative, and futuristic, citing her as revolutionizing the way that they do business. Having begun her career in the corporate world of executive office support and operations some 27 years ago, Ahead of spending the last 11 running her VA business, Sidel has a small team, an end-to-end overview of what makes a virtual office run to optimum efficiency, and a wealth of experience that gives her the insight required to set her clients up for success in ways that enable them to enjoy balance over burnout. 
In our discussion today, Sedell talked to me about why your first hire should not be a virtual assistant and who you should hire instead. She explained to me the virtual assistant mindset and heart set. And we talked about creating client delight. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Sedell Stewart. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from London in the UK, Sedell Stewart of Onit Communications. And Sedell is a business operations architect, and she's also a self-described possibility ambassador. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Sedell. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you very much, Egan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And uh, Tamara Glick, who was our guest on episode 350, a round number of the InnovaBuzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Sedell, and she introduced us. So big hello to Tamara as well. Yes, very nice and very much appreciated. Now, before we start talking about all things business operations and the work you do with uh, virtual assistants, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about this possibility ambassador and, uh, and the unique spelling of possible. Um, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that and what drives you and how that shapes what you do. Okay, so possibility ambassador is a term that I had given to my late mum, who sadly passed away in 2016. She was a woman with a disability and she was an activist and campaigner for the rights of people with disabilities. And so her mantra was always, there are always possibilities. And she spelt it pos hyphen ability. And so it was a case of society focuses very much on people with disabilities, the things that they can't do. Um, That's what's highlighted, their inability to do certain things. And her thing was, doesn't matter what disability you have, there's always something that you could do. There's always something that you're capable of. And so society should focus on that. And so we basically nicknamed her a possibility ambassador. And then I adopted the name um, when she passed away. Hmm. So that's yeah, where that, that was where that comes from. Okay, I love I love the um, yeah I love the reframe of that completely mm-hmm. because you're right. You know we talk about uh, disability and and uh, advocates for disability and what needs to be done for disability without looking at well hang on a minute you know that's we're all incapable of doing certain things so yeah. why focus on that? Why not focus mm-hmm. on what people can do and yes of course people have special needs and and we need to be cognizant of that and and help people where they have special needs but i think that's a really great reframe i love it yeah the, the her, her catchphrase was turning disability on its head and so she had a, a logo which is um commonly known of a person using a wheelchair that she used to use that was upside down and basically said okay. that was that was the way forward and i just felt yeah. that in my ability to help people to focus on the things that they're not so confident about or not so interested in, especially when it comes to tech, um, I make those things possible for them. And so that was the kind of um, the bridge between her using the name and me using the name in terms of what I do. Okay. Yeah. So you've incorporated that into the work you do. So 
tell us a little bit about um, how you got into the work you do today, because uh, mm -hmm. a lot of it's around business processes and systems and also virtual assistants. So, yeah, tell us about how that all hangs together and how you got into that. Yeah, so my background is in corporate um, executive support in executive office and operations. And I did that, I've done that for 27 years now. It's been a very long time. And in the corporate world, I worked in some amazing places with um, world-class teams um, and very well-known, recognized brands. And the common theme was always that I was um, solution-focused. I'd go into an organization and take stock of the way things were done and come and improve processes before I even understood what standard operating procedures were or processes or workflows. I was always doing that. Um, and what I found was that I really enjoyed problem solving and then I would board and I'd move on to the next business. Um, and so I became a contract executive assistant because I liked the challenge of starting that journey each time, coming up with a solution, handing it over and then saying, okay, we're done now. It's nothing else for me here. There's no challenge here for me to do. And so being an executive assistant from a from a support point of view, from a secretarial point of view, I found quite boring. Um, I was always looking for something else to be challenged. And so moving into becoming a virtual assistant, which I did in, oh gosh, 2011, uh, it was to support independent entertainers originally. That was the client group that I was working with as I had a performing background myself. And so I was using my skills coupled with um, some training in public relations to support independent entertainers with their management of their um, performing careers. And then over time realized that that wasn't viable. I was working with poor artists who had great skills and not much cash. And so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a long-term plan. And so um, I kind of pivoted into working with service-based businesses. But what I found in terms of working as a virtual assistant is often people would um, say, oh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm really stressed out, I need help, I need support, but they didn't know where to start and they didn't know what they needed and they didn't recognize that actually working with a virtual assistant wasn't quite where they were. Um, and so I identified that actually your first hire shouldn't be a virtual assistant, your first hire should be a system specialist to actually work out what your business infrastructure should be and then where you need to go next. And then the journey was born from there. Yeah, I, th I think that's um, a, a realisation that most businesses don't come to straight away. But um, uh, my experience has been that a lot of businesses put on virtual assistance and then at some point, you know, after a few weeks or months, they say, no, this isn't working. I, I, I'm yeah. probably just better off doing it myself. And then they say, well, mm -hmm. virtual assistance or remote assistants don't work and I always I'll go back to that and and ask those sort of questions that you've just um, put forward there I ask well, well how do you work with them you know do you have systems and process do you have manuals that help them follow how do you manage them and all those kind of things so um, and and often people come back and say well I'm in a creative space I run a creative agency systems would just hand a, hamper my creativity what do you say to, to people that come back and say, I don't really need to have systems documented? Um, I'd say that's not true, firstly. 
Um, and that ultimately, as a creative, I myself am a creative. Um, I get it. it. You just want a free flow. You don't want to be hampered by having to do things in a very systemized way. But what I would say is that that skill set is not for you and everybody plays to their strengths in their roles, which is why when you work in big corporations, you have lots of different people that bring different things to the table. You don't have one person that does the operations, that does the marketing, that does um, graphic design, that, that does copywriting. You don't have one person in a, in a big business that does all those different things because it just wouldn't work. You have different people to bring their different skill set. And so whilst the creative could say, I don't need systems. You don't need systems. The business needs systems. Mm. And so the business needs systems in order for it to function so that you get to be creative. And what having a virtual assistant will do is free you up to be able to focus on the things that light you up and the things that you enjoy whilst they focus on what lights them up and what they enjoy. And their two are never going to be the same. And so um, I would always recommend that a business owner be open to the idea of having systems in their business, even if they don't initially see the benefit. And then they'll see once they have the systems in their business, how that can change how they work. And then they'll be less skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a really good example and I just did this um, about half an hour before we got on the call and it's, <laughs> okay. it's an activity that I do once a month. So one of my clients um, sends out an email newsletter and he wants to have it published on the web on his website and LinkedIn on his website. It's about 10 steps to do that. Um, but it's not immediately intuitive how to do that because of the way he publishes his um, his newsletter. So there, there's kind of ten steps involved, and I did that. I did it about three times, and each time I thought, "How did I do this last time again?" And I would <laughs> I would spend probably an hour to do this activity because I'd be having to try to remember what did I do last time, and then figure it out again and essentially redesign the process each time because I was flying mm -hmm. blind. And mm -hmm. at some point I thought, this is ridiculous. I should write down the steps. So I had these 10 steps. Now, half an hour before we jumped on the call here, I, I found his newsletter in my inbox and I thought, oh, I'll just do that now. And it took me five minutes instead of an hour. So, yeah. you know, just following the steps. And then, of course, the next step is what you've just mentioned there is, I can now hand it off because I know, you know, that process is so easy. I don't need mm -hmm. to do it anymore. I can hand it off to somebody else because I've got mm -hmm. the documented process. Mm -hmm. I find that often people don't really know how to document a process and they just, they're so focused on the time. People in business, especially when they work for themselves, are so time focused. Everything is, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. What do you have time for? Do you, do you have time for success? Okay, well then success takes time and success takes effort and preparation. And so if you're gonna bring somebody else into your team, you need to prepare them for success, not for failure. So by bringing them in and expecting them to be a unicorn who's just magically going to know how to do things because they have organizational skills or secretarial skills, is not reasonable. You wouldn't expect anybody else in any other role in your business to just instantly know what to do but there's this perception that support professionals somehow are just going to come in and just know and so I always recommend that if you aren't sure how to document your processes because it just feels like work use something as simple as a screen recorder and just capture your screen whilst you're doing the work because 
that's ultimately going to give somebody else the bare bones of a process to work with and they can build on that. But having something is really important. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, great advice. And I was just going to ask you about um, who should be writing the processes because my um, one of the approaches I take is, and, and this is with a team that, you know, have been working with me for a long time. So they know my style. They know, you know, they, I know their values that, that are, they're aligned with the values of the company and culture and they know their clients and so on. But I tend to, um, for new processes, tend to do the, exactly what you said, do the screen share as a minimum and say, you know, here's, here's the outcome that we're going for. Here's how I do it. Um, can you take this and write up the process for that? And they know that it doesn't have to be the way I do it as long as the outcome is what yeah. we what we need. And, you know, I, I make it clear to them that they're free to uh, improve that process as they go along. And uh, mm -hmm. often, often I'll do it the first time I say, I'm figuring this out. I'm doing the screen recording. I'm saying, I'm figuring this out. Here's the outcome mm -hmm. I want. Here's how I'm going to do it. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm recording it straight away the first time because I don't want to do it again, even though <laughs> even though yeah. I don't know how to do it, <laughs> as it were. So, you know, I, I probably could do it a few times more to learn the proper way to do it or learn a better way to do it, but I actually delegate that part as well. Yeah, I think that's really key. And the fact that you're open to that and you're honest about it, like you're recording and you're saying you know, I'm not 100% certain what I'm doing here, but I know the outcome that I want. That's really empowering because you're giving that um, autonomy to the person that's going to go away and build on the process and they're going to add their own flavor to it. They're going to yeah. maybe ask questions that are going to um, improve the process and they're going to come up with something that works for the end outcome. And I think that that's the key to the process in general. And I think also um, on top of that, they feel as though they're adding a lot more value than than any example I had before, where I've got the ten step process yeah. and I said this is how to do it, and mm -hmm. there really isn't isn't a lot more that you can add to that. Um, mm -hmm. so, whereas the other way, they feel as though hey, they're adding their own flavour, they're adding value to it, and and they can think about well, how could how could this work better? Yeah, definitely, and often. People do something and they might do it in 15 steps. And by the time you give it to somebody who does this for a living, they might yeah. find seven way, seven steps to do that and they streamline it in ways that you might not have even considered. They might know tools that you're not aware of that can actually make the process easier, quicker, slicker. Mm. There are so many other considerations. So, yeah, I think it's definitely worthwhile having them um, input into how it's done and not just doing as you say because some people just be like do this follow the steps exactly as i've given mm. them to you and you know they're not open to somebody adding their own influence or their own suggestions and that doesn't work really mm. so what um if somebody's going into an arrangement to hire vas or to put vas on their team what, what are some of the steps that they should be doing to prepare for that Oh, good question. I think that um, one of the key things that people need to do is to do a brain dump. Like it's great and well having all these things in your head, especially if you run your business on your own for a number of years. It's easy to, you just know how you do things. And it's not always apparent to somebody else why you do what you do, like in terms of tasks that you do. And it's not always clear 
what the overall outcome is if you haven't explained the reason why we do this task is to get this particular outcome then what can happen is people are just moving blindly so i think one of the first things that i recommend is a brain dump exercise where you have um some columns on a piece of paper and you literally just jot down the things that you do day to day in your business and then as you start to think about that and you start to offload it it starts to become um, apparent that the things that you do weekly, the things that you might do bi-weekly, things you do monthly, and it just builds up into a huge brain dump. So massive information, not in any kind of order, and that's fine. And then once you've got that initial um, you know, dump of information, then you can start to categorize it into how much of that list do I have to do myself based on you're the only person with skills to do that, or based on you really enjoy it and you don't want to hand it off to somebody else. But also considering, is that revenue generating activity or is it just something you like to do but doesn't really have any value? Lots of people like to spend their time in Canva because they enjoy the process of making pretty things, but it doesn't actually help move the needle in their business, doesn't do anything other than give them something creative to focus on for an hour. So you're going to have to let go of that, really, if you're the, if you're the CEO of your business. So, um, yeah. so find, out that, find out out of your list, what do you really need to be doing? And then put those into one column and then say, okay, now that I've identified the things that are for me and solely me, the rest can be outsourced. And then you have to consider, well, who do you give those other things to? Not all of that list is going to be virtual assistant. Um, specifically, you might need a copywriter, for example, and you wouldn't give that to a virtual assistant. And some business owners just think everything I'm not going to do myself, a VA can do. And that's not fair. You're setting them up to fail. We talked about preparing people to succeed. So making sure that the skill set of the outcome that you need is matched with the skill set of the person that you're going to hire. So that's one of the key ways I would say that people need to prepare, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a really important point, I think, because I, that's the other I mentioned earlier about um, people hiring VAs and not being prepared and failing at it um, because they don't necessarily have processes. That's the other uh, thing I see people do a lot. They decide, oh, here's a list of stuff I don't want to do, so I'll get a VA yeah. and they can do that. And it's, you know, it ranges from copywriting to administrative tasks to uh, building websites to yep. um, doing <laughs> social media stuff. And you say, well, hang on mm -hmm. a minute. You know, this, this person sounds like a, a super person. <laughs> they, yeah, like a Swiss to, Army knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Swiss Army knife, exactly. <laughs> and it's unlikely that, that you'll get a VA that is a Swiss Army knife. So they've probably mm -hmm. got skills in certain areas and focus areas that they're really good at. And yeah. you need to really match match what you want them to do with with their skill sets yeah 100 percent. i mean there will be some vas who are beyond the general va a general va mm. is going to be administrative tasks secretarial tasks um but a social media va um, might be a social media coordinator or a social media manager there's a slight difference they might not have um, a, strat a strategy hat so they may not do strategy around social media they may not be okay with um, analytics of social media so you have to take that into consideration do you just want somebody who's going to create your graphics write your captions and post your and schedule your social media in advance or do you want somebody who knows the full gambit of the strategy around it 
that's a really big consideration. You don't want someone just doing social for social sake and then you're not seeing a return on the time and investment that you're putting into it. Do you want somebody who can write copy? Most VAs are not copywriters. And if you're looking at conversion copy, that's a very specialized skill that a lot of um, business owners don't necessarily recognize. And they think, oh, well, it's just, you know, you're writing copy for, for social or for my newsletter, it's not a big deal. No, you're not going to get the conversions that you're hoping for. And then you're going to feel like, well, I'm spending all this money in these different places and it's not having an impact. So it's about having that understanding, I think, in the first place of recognizing, like you said, matching what do I need versus what skills does this person have or this role have. Hmm. All right. So so once we've done this brain dump, what how how would you prioritize those? I mean, are there there systems that are more important than others to kind of start with? Yeah, I think once you've done the brain dump and you have an understanding of the types of skills, then you can start looking at, well, like we said, is it a general VA? Do I need a social media VA? Do I need a copywriter? How much of that stuff can be done as a one-off project? And how much of that stuff is going to need to be done by somebody on an ongoing basis, like day-to-day, week-to-week? And then you can start to get a picture around how much time investment that requires Um, which is going to help you with your hiring process. And then I would suggest that you use the information that you now have in terms of types of tasks, um, number of hours or a rough estimate of how much time a month you need support to then come up with a brief that you could then put out into public domain to help you engage the right person. And I would suggest that somebody use that in um, virtual assistant forums. There are lots of those online in places like Facebook and LinkedIn, for example. Um, You could do a search on the internet, just a regular search, but that's gonna bring up a lot of results that you're then gonna have to filter through. So you need to be very clear on what you're looking for. So I find that the best way to advertise when you're looking for a VA is to use a form. Um, I recommend something like Airtable or Notion to use as the data capture and ask very, very specific questions. Be really clear in your brief what you're looking for, who the type of person that you're looking for is, um, what your values are for your business, what your brand represents, a little bit of information about who you are. All of those things are really key Um, and have an idea of a budget in mind, but don't necessarily dictate at this first stage, you know, this is going to pay X because what you're doing as a business is engaging in other businesses services. And I think often people go into looking for a VA as I'm looking for an assistant and they're going to be an employee and they're not an employee. They're going to have other clients. They are going to work with you to help you achieve your goals, but they're doing so in addition to lots of other things. And so you need to be really clear on your expectations, but also clear on what you're hoping to get out of the relationship and also have the manners and the respect that that other business owner deserves, um, rather than just looking at them as, oh, it's just admin. Because I think that's something that a lot of business owners make the mistake of doing. And unfortunately, a lot of VAs approach finding clients in the same way. They just see it as they're looking for a job, they're gonna have an interview, which is something that I'm trying to really work um, with VAs to kind of abolish and get rid of that attitude of yeah, yeah. being a, a, an employee because they're not employees. Hmm. Yeah, so the, it's it's a kind of a business-to-business arrangement. 100%. Hmm. And 
and in your work so do you train VAs in in the business side of it then I mean you you, you touched on the mindset there so we'll talk about that in mm-hmm. a moment but do you train them on on the business so having uh, managing their own business systems and their own yes own, own business processes so that they can go into um, those kind of discussions as okay I'm a I'm a supplier potential supplier to your business mm-hmm. and and here's how we work and let's determine if we're a fit yeah 100 percent. so um i mentor vas at the moment and i'm currently working on a program which is going to be an accelerator program which takes people from you know being an existing support professional in the real world if you like into moving into being in the virtual space and a key component of that program is focused on mindset like you mentioned but also a massive part of it is focused on the business of being a virtual assistant as opposed to just the skills that you have Mm. if you come from a support background you already know how to manage diaries you know how to do emails you know how to do lots of different support functions but most of the time what you don't know is how to run a business because you've not done it before and Mm. if you've been in employment for the last 15 20 years then you're quite indoctrinated into how to operate in that world. And that doesn't necessarily translate when you start working for yourself. And what I find is a lot of VAs um, are really focused on being of service because that's naturally, as myself, as a former executive assistant and virtual assistant, that's just our way. That's how we're built. We want to serve. We want to please. We're really keen on being that linchpin. And that's an amazing position to be in but also recognizing the power that that comes with and recognizing that as a business owner, you bring a lot of insight, but you also need to present yourself in a way where people recognize you as a business and they treat you as such. And you don't end up becoming the the full person who's just dumped on in terms of tasks that people don't particularly enjoy, doing work that you don't particularly enjoy, um, in ways where you don't feel fulfilled and that you're not necessarily adding the best value because the relationship is quite disjointed. Um, you want to be in a position where you feel empowered to add value and to do so in a way that um, that lights you up, but also makes the business owner feel like this actually was a great investment and this, I should have done this ages ago. That's that's the yeah. feeling you want to leave yeah, yeah. with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, talk to us a little bit then about that VA mindset that that you um, try to um, train, try to highlight yeah. in your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all around um, heart set is what I call it because it's around um, the the mindset coupled with having your heart set on something, if you care that much about it, if you're passionate about it, I think the two go hand in hand and come together to give you a really good footing in delivering in a way that makes you feel proud, makes you feel like you're part of something. And I think that as support professionals, we are really keen on feeling like we made a real difference. Um, that, you know, the executive that you support or the person that you support um, needs you. We need to feel needed. There's there's this really strong desire for that. And I think that when you work with lots of different businesses as a service provider, as a, as a um, 
you know, as a business to business situation, it's not the same as being a, um, a PA, for example, where you're sat in an office with somebody and you're at their disposal 24 hours a day or not 24 hours a day, but, you know, um, and you're sat outside their office, for example, and they can just come pop out the room and just ask you for something. There's not that connection. So you have to build it. You have to build that relationship from early and build trust and um, for the person to feel that actually they can rely on you. But how do you do that? You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe um, that the work that you do has an impact. And that comes from working closely with a business owner to get into seeing what their business is about, who they serve, what their priorities are, what they're trying to achieve, what are they working towards this year, this quarter, this month. Um, having the insight in that way starts to help you to position yourself as valuable to the business but also gives you an impetus for the work that you do because you feel like you can see where it's having an impact and you know where it's going and it's not just a case of somebody gave you a task to do and you just did it in a job when you have a job you're given tasks you don't understand the bottom line you don't know what difference your tasks in a department in a company of I don't know, 3,000 people, for example, you don't really have any insight into how it, that your input makes a difference. But when you work with a business owner and it's maybe just the two of you or maybe a small team of, you know, less than 10 people, you really get to see how your input makes a difference to the bottom line. You really get to see how your input makes a difference to the person's day-to-day -day life and their family life balance. Um, you get to see how it makes a difference to what they're choosing to focus on with their time versus what you're focusing on on their behalf. And all of that has a really empowering effect on your attitude and your mindset towards the work that you do day to day. Mm. Yeah, oh, there's a lot there, a lot to unpack yeah. there. <laughs> unpack. Um, I really like the, you know, the, the heart focus and uh, you know, what, what your passion is and also the, you know, what you said at the end there in terms of seeing the impact you're having on the on the business but also on the person you're working for on their life um, because i think yeah. that's at the end of the day you know one of the things that most business owners at some point kind of forget and and i'm no different than others you know you sort of there are times when i think oh i've got to remember that the business is here to serve me and give me the life style mm -hmm. i want not not the other way around not adjust my lifestyle to serve the business because that's that's yeah. just wrong and so i you know, i like to remind that. myself of that and then you know anybody that that's working with me whether it's another business supplier like through vas or whether it's the team i have um mm -hmm. to make sure that they're they're also in the same boat yeah yeah it's really important i mean you know like you said the business is there to serve you and to serve the life that you want to live and you want to be able to impact other people's lives in doing that but you also want to be able to do the things that you enjoy otherwise what's the point you might as well yeah. go and work for somebody else and yeah. and just clock in and clock out and that's not fun <laughs> yes no that's certainly not fun it's um we've both spent decades in the corporate world and um i think i've had enough of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, one of the things you talk about um, is creating an intentional client experience. So tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that and, and how you go about that. Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. So 
um, I like to call it um, creating client delight. And so basically there's a kind of a process from taking people from being a browser to a buyer um, by having really intentional steps from the first touch point that that person has with your business. So a lot of that is focused on perception in addition to what you actually deliver. So by making sure that you show up um, professionally, that your information is always aligned, that it's accurate, that people have very clear, easy ways to touch base with you. So whether that is they're going to look at your socials and they're going to click on your links in your social bios, where do they go? It's, it's, it's making sure that your links, wherever they're posted, actually work. They're not broken. <laughs> they don't take you to a 404 page. Nobody needs that in life. It's not fun and it's a waste of time. Um, making sure that any touch point where you have information that is public facing, it's very clear what you want the person to do. So your call to actions are really clear. Click here, sign up, contact me, book a call, whatever it is just being as really succinct and clear as possible. And that when somebody actually does get in contact with you, they don't end up in lost in the ether somewhere. I, I despair at the fact that people still in 2021 are using contact forms on their website. They drive me insane. Whenever I filled a contact form on a website, I've never had a response within a month. I think at some stage you get a, a random email that says, oh, you won't touch me through my website and the message ended up in my spam. And so I've only just found it. Nobody needs that. By the time somebody's gone out of their way to actually contact you, you've, you've hooked them. They, there's something that you offer that they're interested in. You've lost them if you, they fill in a contact form because now they've got to wait. The momentum's died down. They're probably going to lose interest by the time you speak to them. They, they're just not that bothered anymore. They might have even found somebody else by the time that you speak with them. So... Using a auto scheduler is really, really key. Having somewhere where someone can book a call because even though they don't get to speak to you immediately, they're satisfied that something's in the diary. It's yeah. like, okay, I know that's happening. From a mental point of view, they can kind of park it because they know it's scheduled. And so having that initial step into your world is having them into your diary and knowing that you're going to have a call, making sure that they're clear what's going to happen on that call. Do you have an auto-response message that's going to go to them and explain what they can expect on the call with you? That helps to prepare them and also gets them thinking that you're thinking about that conversation that you're going to have with them. And so by the time you get into a point where you sit down and you have a conversation, they've had experience with your brand, they've had experience with your communication, they know how you operate, they feel assured because they've had different touch points that have reassured them along the way. Um, and all of that makes a really big difference. I know that I had um, in probably around four years ago, I had a really great discovery call with a potential client who's still a client today. And she was recommended to me. And in those days, I was still a VA. And she was recommended to me by a VA forum. And we had a conversation. She booked the session in my diary. And we had a great conversation. And then she said, you know, I've had conversation with three other VAs already about, you know, this is the assistance that I need. And I was like, right, okay. I was thinking, okay, I'm not really sure where this is going. And then she said, um, you're the most expensive out of all four. And I said, okay. And then she said, but I'm ready. Let's do this. 
And I said, okay, that's really interesting to me. What was the distinction for you to go ahead when you've just said that I'm the most expensive of the four people? And she said, the experience was so slick. She said, from the moment I contacted you, she said, you asked me to book a call in your diary. Like, wait, hold on, what's going on here? She said she'd never had that before. And so she said she booked the call and then she just felt blown away by the experience and she felt taken care of. So by the time she spoke to me, she was very clear what the expectation was, how we were going to spend the time on the call. And she felt that I had respected her time. Um, and she said she just thought it was a great experience. And, and I've had that happen quite a few times since. And so it made me just feel confident in my process. And that's the type of process that I create for the clients that I work with. It's just helping them to have experiences where their potential clients or their newly found clients go on to say, wow, that was quick, that was easy. And then I came up with the phrase slick, sexy and systemized <laughs> because that was the, those were the words that kept coming up. That was so slick, okay, yeah, yeah. really easy. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's where that came from. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm, and I think, you know, there's so much uh, great stuff in, in what you shared there around the whole experience and all the different touch points. And I must admit, when you started off with, um, I can't understand why people have contact forms. I was thinking, oh, <laughs> I've still got contact forms on mine. Now, I've actually got a system like you describe. I've got a little pop-up thing, which is a video of me, and it invites people to send back a video and or send oh, back nice. an audio or send me a text, which is a kind of, you know, I do get a response to that, and it, it's a way to start a conversation. And in that system also, there's the opportunity for people to book a discovery call um, through the calendar system and so on. Uh, yeah. But I do, I do have the contact form. Now, the contact form gets an automatic response. It sends me a, a notification straight away and it gives an automatic response that I'll be in touch with you so they know what to expect. But I have to say that yeah. most of what I get on the contact form is spam. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. Hey, do you want do you want my SEO services or do you want to yeah, build yeah, a yeah. web app? <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking maybe I should just get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. You've got if you've got a if you've got a link to a to a calendar for a discovery mm. call, you don't need the contact form. It's just another thing for you to have to monitor, really, mm. and and it kind of just creating work for yourself. People are always going to choose to book a call over filling in a form that that then they have to wait for you to come back to them, and then often people will have a contact form and then you'll play email tag to get a time in the diary when they could have just booked yeah. in the diary straight away. So yeah, that's the benefit really. Although I will, I usually send something back. Like if, if we get into that conversation, I usually straight away send, hey, why don't you book a call and send them the diary link? But yeah, mm -hmm. I could bypass that manual step and just do it all yeah. automatically. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Automation yeah. is key. Um, yeah. And all of the, the all of the steps, I'm like, could we do it in less steps? Could we do it in less steps? Let's do mm. We need that step. And that step, every step in a process has to be justified. Like mm. I, will, I will go around the houses to ask, does that step need to be there? If we amalgamated these two steps in the beginning and took a step out, would it be smoother? Would it still provide the same outcome? Or would something be missed out? And most of the time, people don't need steps. Hmm. And there's two things I really like about what you've shared and, and that automation thing, because I'm, I'm of the view that people take automation for granted and abdicate conversations or relationships to automation. And, and so a lot of those 
processes are actually broken in terms of a human interaction yeah. and marketing. Um, but what, mm -hmm. what you shared there is, first of all, you know, how can I make it slick, sexy and um, systemized? And systemized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of um, automating the steps that can be automated or amalgamating steps that can be amalgamated so that it's easier for the client, but also easier for you so that you've got more time to actually invest with the client in the person. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So the, definitely the the part that I've had some pushback on with some clients, they've been like, I don't want to automate this process because like you just touched on, they feel that it's going to be robotic or that the client's mm. going to feel that um, it wasn't, there wasn't a human element. And I'm like, no, you use automation so you can be more human, so you can have more time. And what it enables you to do also is to map out your automated processes in a very natural way. You don't have to say, okay, one hour after this message is sent, that message is going to be sent. You can say, okay, I want that message to go 17 minutes after yeah. that initial touch point. And then I want this message to go, you know, 12 minutes later. And I want this message to go 24 hours later. You can be really specific in terms of what feels natural. If you were going to reply to that message, how long would you roughly take to get back to the person? And also the language in the messages that you send doesn't have to be stiff. It can mm. feel conversational. It gives you that flexibility to really play around with that and create the real um, experience that you want people to have when they work with you, when they touch your brand. Would you want people to go away and feel? Would you want them to have experienced as a result of that interaction? Yeah. And also you can have fun with it. Um, so I, I sometimes send out a note that says, um, yes, this is an automated email and it's a robot that's actually sending that back. But it's just because I want to get back to you in a timely fashion and I'm actually, mm -hmm. you're actually sleeping right now. And um, yeah. once, <laughs> one, or he's on a weekend bike ride or something like that. You know, and mm -hmm. one, once we get back into the office, we'll be in touch personally. Um, I had one just now that I'd, cleaned out of my inbox I was sort of doing some cleaning up of email and it was an automated response from somebody that I think I sent them an email that that arrived on a weekend or on a holiday uh, that's right it arrived on Chinese New Year and and it it was a very humorous email but it was an automated um, you know auto responder saying mm -hmm. that they're out of the office but it was actually it said you know this this is this is person X's uh, robot and just yeah. wanted to get back to it and saying, you know, person X is enjoying their New Year's, uh, Chinese New Year celebration and um, she'll be back next week and um, get in touch with you and follow up. So I thought, yeah. well, yeah. now that's, that's an automated systems thing, but it's very human. It's very engaging mm -hmm. and, it, you know, it makes me feel mm -hmm. connected to the person, even though it's, it's, um, Automation, I think that's a really good example of using automation well. Yeah, definitely. And you can, and you can inject humor in it, you know. It's not, it doesn't have to be stiff. I think that people feel like because it's being done by Autobots that it has to be stiff and, and robotic. It doesn't. Yeah. Put, your, put your humor and inject your own personality into your comms. Hmm. Great. All right, well, this is fabulous, Adele. I could go on talking um, this whole customer experience stuff for ages, but I, 
looking at the time now, and I think it's a good point to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to help mm -hmm. our listeners who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I've got five mm -hmm. questions, and hopefully your answers will inspire our listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Nice. Okay. What's What do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Oh, to be more innovative. I think... Um, Spend time playing. Like, mm. it's all good and well, we're working all the time, but you need to do something creative in order to be innovative because innovative takes a different side of your brain, I think. Mm. Um, so you spend some time playing, not working all the time. Find something that you enjoy. And this is advice that I need to take for myself. <laughs> Just find something that you enjoy and spend time on it. Because when you, what's the, the phrase is all work and no play makes for a dull person or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, I I often find that my best ideas come, you know, the sort of the off-the-wall ideas come when I'm out doing something else um, outside of work. Often it's on a bike ride or, or maybe when I'm out on a photo walk or something like that. And it's because, as you say, it's because the, the mind's turned off from the, the, the critical... Critical day-to-day -day stuff, yeah, the critical faculty and you, you're engaging the other part. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? I think one of the best things I did was travel. I, were, I had the opportunity um, to travel to Barbados in 2018. I went for six mm. months and just decided I needed to get away and I was grieving and I just needed some time to myself. And I picked up and I went to Barbados for six months and it was an amazing experience to just be somewhere else, still working, still running my business exactly the same. I worked on UK time, which was quite challenging, um, being up you know, at five in the morning to start work, but um, it gave me a different perspective on what was possible, um, and it was a great experience. Mm, yeah, well, the Caribbean would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did, did you, were you able to stay awake long enough to enjoy the sun and the sand? After I was, I was. I did struggle a little because I did. I never, in the whole six months, I never really got used to the time difference because I, it was insistent that I didn't want to change my hours working with clients. And it reminds me of the thing that you said earlier when you talked about making your business work for you and not you working to fit the business. I wasn't willing to adjust my hours because I didn't want to potentially lose the clients that I had in the UK. I was like, it's fine, it will be okay, um, but I'm not particularly a morning person and I know that about myself. And I knew that before, but I thought, oh, it'll be okay. I was up at 4 a.m. and oh, I was wow. working at 5 and I was going to bed at like midnight, which wasn't working, so I had to start going to bed earlier and earlier. But mm. in the Caribbean, people tend to go to bed quite early because they're up so early, just naturally. So, yeah. yeah. It was a bit of a culture shift, but it worked. In the, I got there in the end. <laughs> well, hopefully we can travel again soon. I'm, sort of, I'm counting the days. I'm, yeah. so, I'm so gutted <laughs> that we can't at the moment. It's so mm. hard. All right. Now, what, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Oh, that's tough. I have at least five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use... Um, I use Slack on a daily basis. One of my favorite yeah. tools keeps me connected with my team mm. and in, and also with clients because I don't enjoy being in email. So we train our clients to use Slack instead, which works really well. Um, one of my favorite tools is resources is Airtable. Airtable.com mm. I find is fantastic resource. 
for using as a database, um, as a tool to store information. Also, in terms of automation, it works brilliantly with another favorite tool called Zapier, or Zapier as they say in the States. Yeah. And, um, and that enables me, enables me to move data around quite easily and to automate a lot of different things. So yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic tool. It's my top favorite tool to recommend to other people. Yeah, all right. Well, that's great. Well, we use Slack with our team. That's uh, that's mm -hmm. always open with us. And um, Airtable, I did play with Airtable, but I've I'm since a, a big fan of Notion. So that's of Notion, I know, I know. I just see. And, <laughs> <laughs> I played and, um, with it, but I haven't got my head around it. Yet. Yeah, and Zapier, yeah, couldn't live without Zapier. Zapier makes you happier. They say so yes, Zapier is actually the right pronunciation. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Um, what's the best way to keep a client on track? To keep a client on track? Um, I tend to find that I just work with Slack, if I'm honest. Um, mm. There are lots of project management tools, obviously, that people use. I've just started using ClickUp, um, mm -hmm. which I'm still trying to get used to. It's not, it doesn't feel very intuitive to me, but I know that lots of people rave about it. So I'm giving it a chance <laughs> and mm. I'm just trying to get, just trying to get into the swing of it. I previously used Teamwork, which is another great project management tool. Um, but I just find that that's, it's quite pricey for small teams. Um, so I just wanted to give something else to try and click up, kept becoming recommended. So I thought, try it and see. So one of my team built it out and now we're giving it a trial. Hmm. And you so yeah, your processes and all the steps in there. Yeah, yeah, all all documented in there. So the, in terms of keeping clients on track, it's just a case of keeping them up to date. Most of the time, clients are fine. They're just like, you just tell me what I need to do when I need to do it, and hmm. that's it. They don't they don't input into the project management tools that we use mostly. It's just us internally, and then we just give them an update. Mm -hmm. All right. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Oh, number one way is, I guess, make an impression. Make an impression for the right reasons. Hmm. Perception is perception is everything. Yeah. If you, if you, like they always say, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And if that first impression is poor, that stays with you. Like hmm. people will always remember that thing that you did. So I think um, being memorable for the right reasons by being um, of your word, sticking to your word. If you say something, you're going to do something and when you're going to do it by then stick to that and try to preempt people's expectations. So if you know that you're going to have a conversation with somebody, um, then come to the conversation prepared rather than kind of waiting and always being on the back foot and being reactive, be proactive. That was a lot to answer that question sorry <laughs> <laughs> yes so well i think there's a lot in in creating a good first impression and it's something that um, is important and something that's probably worth considering hey you know just walk your talk <laughs> yes if that is it succinctly walk your talk. <laughs> yeah all right well thanks so much sadell this has been fabulous now where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today um, you can find me on my website, which is sidelstuart.com. Um, and other than that, you can find me hanging out mostly on Instagram. That's my, my kind of social media place of choice, which is just at my name. Um, and I also use LinkedIn a little, but I'm not as active on there as I probably should be. Um, 
but yeah, definitely on Instagram. All right. Oh, and we'll post links to, to all those in the show notes so people can click straight through. Now, do you have any parting advice for our listener today? Oh, um, I think if you are a business owner who's feeling slightly overwhelmed or feeling that, you know, another pair of hands is going to be a great look for you, then I think before you go ahead and engage a VA, just think about what processes and systems you do have in your business. And if you don't have any, then um, do feel free to reach out. But even without reaching out to me, just consider what is it in your business that you're trying to achieve and where are you getting stuck? Um, and then start to explore what those processes could look like. Because I think often business owners, they're not necessarily sure what processes they need until somebody highlights what they could be doing to do things in an easier way or a slicker way. So maybe working with somebody to figure that out. Um, I think that's the way forward. Yeah, that's great advice. And particularly around, you know, get really clear about what, you should have in place before you work with a VA um, because as yes. we talked about earlier there's there's a whole lot of traps if you don't get that right to start mm -hmm. with and you're setting them up to fail and you're setting yourself up to fail with that relationship yeah 100% and also to be disappointed and disillusioned mm. nobody wants that you just feel like oh that was a waste of time and then what people do is have this self-fulfilling prophecy of I knew I should have just done it myself it's like <laughs> yeah. no you don't just do it yourself you just need to find a way to give it to somebody else to do mm -hmm. yeah love it all right now who else should i get on the show sadell and why oh that's a good one i think um oh i have a really good friend and associate called natalie freeman she is a pricing strategist and clarity coach mm. and she teaches people how to stop um having an expensive hobby because <laughs> lots of business owners um, are running expensive hobbies rather than actual profitable businesses. And she's great at teaching people to stop doing that. So that would be my recommendation. Sounds like somebody I would have a wonderful conversation with. So thanks for that yeah. suggestion. And <laughs> we'll get an introduction to Natalie from you and, and reach out to her. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today. Sadell, I've really enjoyed this. It's been great to learn about your whole philosophy around um, VAs and particularly the concept of having people be business owners as VAs and work with, mm -hmm. uh, with those that take them on board as VAs, work with them as a supplier and an equal, if you like. Um, so yes. it's, a, it's a fascinating model and I think um, it's one that has a lot of legs. So I wish you all the best for you know bringing bringing more people into those businesses and in helping them get set up with the right mindset, with the right systems, with mm -hmm. the right business knowledge. And uh, let's stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. So thank you so much. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that really engaging and informative conversation with Sadell and took something away from her episode. I love her slick, sexy and systemized client mapping framework that's aimed at meeting clients on their journey exactly where they're at and guiding them from that point to their success.
I'm curious to know what you took away from Sidel's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Sidel Stewart. That is C-Y-D-E-L-L-E-S-T-E-W-A-R-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Sidel Stewart. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Sidel, as well as links to her website, her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you like this episode and got value from it, then please share that value with two other people, at least two other people, who it might help. Tag me in that share and I will reach out to you to say thank you. Sidel suggested that we have a conversation with Clarity Coach and Pricing Strategist Natalie Freeman on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Natalie, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Sidel Stewart. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including author, speaker and founder of Smart Hustle Media, Ramon Ray and Raul Alim of Custom Creatives. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.